All right, good morning, church. It is great to be together. Great to see all the kids in the back. Give a shout out to the kids in the back. Holding it down back there. Love to see those kids and sing alongside of those kids. They are much better singers than I am, but amen to that. Hope everybody's doing great today. It is great to see you as always. Uh, great to have our virtual listeners tuning in, listeners slash watchers uh, tuning in, and just a great opportunity to be together on this Sunday morning. Well, I hope that everyone has enjoyed the March Madness games. Okay, a few in the house watching March Madness. Uh, one not so great game yesterday, and then a great game last night between Duke and North Carolina. Um, I'm a UNC fan, Katie's a Duke fan. She was actually at Duke yesterday, uh, over the weekend. They had a Duke Women's Across Alumni weekend. She did the color commentary actually for the game. Uh, the women's lacrosse game. So, I mean, she's a superstar anyway. What is it, four Hall of Fames at this point and color commentary, all that kind of stuff. But she was down there and I texted her after the game, hey, sorry about the loss. And she said, I'm not coming home. And I said, I'm out of milk. I need you to come home <laughs> for milk for William. Um, so anyway, she came back. Give it up for Katie. Thank you for coming home. So grateful <laughs> that she came back. Actually, Katie's going to be sharing a little bit uh, this morning, so we'll get up here and she can get me back if she would like. Um, but again, great to be together uh, this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 11 together, so you can turn with me in your Bibles over there. Um, as Ryan mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, we've had a number of members um, lose loved ones. Uh, in their life. Uh, a, a number of people uh, were mentioned. Also, I think this was announced that Phil Garrison had, had lost his dad um, pretty unexpectedly. So please keep everyone in uh, your prayers. Uh, certainly a, a, an opportune time uh, for that. And to me, it's a good time to talk about compassion, uh, both for self and for others. Um, it's a good time to talk about experiencing our own grief and how to help others through their grief as well. We are a body of believers, and we hold one another up, and we have to learn and learn from Jesus how to do that. One of my favorite things about Jesus, one of the things that I admire most about Jesus is his heart of compassion. Although he was in very nature God, he humbled himself and allows himself to suffer alongside of humanity, alongside of those who follow him. And he demonstrates to us how to be compassionate with others. And he did so in a remarkable way in John chapter 11 after his dear friend Lazarus has pa had passed away. And so we're going to talk about that story this morning. We'll not read the whole chapter. I do encourage people to go back and look at that chapter. There's a lot that we can pull from there to learn from Jesus. But also he has a lot to say about the resurrection, which we'll be celebrating uh, coming up in just a couple of weekends. But this story is intriguing for multiple reasons. As I mentioned, 
Jesus has this dear friend Lazarus, his close friend Lazarus, who he finds out while he's away from Lazarus that he's sick. And upon finding out that he's sick, Jesus stays where he is, away from Lazarus, for two extra days. And in the meantime, Lazarus dies, and Jesus tells his disciples this, and then he says he's glad he wasn't there for their sake. What? What is Jesus saying? What do we understand from this story, this part of the story? Well, Jesus knows that he's going to go back and he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And that this powerful miracle would strengthen his disciples' faith. And it's a foreshadow to Jesus' own resurrection, which was quickly approaching. But that's an interesting part of the story. Sometimes Jesus operates in ways that we don't fully understand. But we can trust that Jesus has a plan that Jesus is working out for the good, things out for the good of those who love him. Another inter- interesting interaction is with Lazarus's sister Martha. So Jesus eventually uh, goes to where Lazarus was, where Mary and Martha uh, were, so Lazarus's sisters. And after Mar- Martha laments to Jesus that had he been there, Jesus would, or Lazarus would not have died. And I I think there's some really interesting things that we can pull from that. One takeaway for me is that, you know, it can, it's normal, it's natural, it can be easy in our own discomfort and pain to place blame in different places to include God. And that's normal. That's a normal, natural human response. And the good news is, is that Jesus and God, they can take it. And as you go back and and read the story, to her claim, to this claim, Jesus responds, look, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. What? I mean, that's a little bit confusing as well. It's almost as if he doesn't even respond to what she was saying. But he was. And again, the point being that Jesus and God, they can take our discomfort. They can take our suffering. They can take our misunderstandings. We can go to them with these things, and we should. But Jesus responds with, I am the resurrection and the life because he's pointing her to the spiritual reality of who he is. He is the resurrection and he is the life. Not only will he rise from the dead, but he he will raise others from the dead, which happens through belief in him. This is constantly what Jesus is pointing people to, belief in him. And he would give a glimpse of this, him being the resurrection, in bringing their brother Lazarus back to life. I think what's also worth pointing out, and now we're getting into the sermon for today, is that in the midst of his own knowledge of the resurrection, specifically that he would raise Lazarus from the dead in his physical resurrection, Jesus doesn't dismiss the feelings of those around him who are grieving the loss of Lazarus. 
He doesn't try to be overly optimistic. Oh, don't worry. He'll come back. He'll come back to life. Or completely disregard their emotional response. And that's going to be the focus of our sermon today. In John 11, we're going to read verses 33 to 35 together. Because although Jesus had resurrection firmly fixed in his mind, he demonstrates his compassion quite powerfully for us in these verses and gives us a vivid image to follow. And what was his example? Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. And that's the title of my sermon today. Jesus weeps with us in our losses. He is there beside us. And we should learn to weep with others that are grieving around us. And I'll point out a few things about this weeping and what Jesus does with three simple points. And it's, the acronym is WEPT. So what does Jesus do? Well, he watches or sees people in their grieving. He watches people in their grieving. He sees them. Number two, he empathizes and feels what other people are feeling. That's empathy. And we need empathy. We need to be empathetic people. Why? Because Jesus is that way. But also, that's what we need to be for each other. People need empathy to feel what someone else is feeling. And number three, he participates, participates in their struggle through compassionate responding. And in this case, he weeps. And he weeps with those that are struggling. John 11, verses 33 to 35. In verse 33, when Jesus saw her, that is Mary, who had come to see Jesus, when he saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. In verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus Now, the story continues there, and I encourage you to go back and read through the story, but I want to just hone in on this really important point here. It's important for us to deeply think about these verses and consider how we should imitate Jesus' example here. So, Mary approaches Jesus and imitates Martha, her sister, in that she says to Jesus, if he had been there, her brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus does not respond immediately to that in the way that we would think that he might and, and did not respond in the same way that he responded to Martha. But he does respond to her in a situation in a way that is typical for him in troubling and difficult situations that he observes in those around him. And this is the pattern. Point one, the pattern pattern here is that Jesus watches. Jesus sees their struggle. I mean, look what it says. When Jesus saw her weeping, and he also saw those that came along with her weeping as well. He was willing to really see Mary in her distress and grieving. He was willing to go there. 
You know, I think sometimes for us, when we see uncomfortable situations, when we, when we see people suffering, the tendency can be, I don't want to participate in that discomfort. But Jesus does not respond that way. He watches her. He sees Mary. He was willing to really see her in her distress and grieving. Jesus watches the pain of humanity. Number two, he empathizes with Mary and the Jews who were weeping. It says that he was deeply moved in his spirit in trouble. Now to me, that's empathy. That's feeling what someone else is feeling. He was willing to go there. He allowed himself to feel and experience Mary's suffering. And again, to the last point, where he watches and sees this can be challenging. We have this, as humans, this desire to avoid suffering and pain at all costs. We can't do that with each other. We can't be like that with one another. We have to be willing to go there, to empathize. Jesus empathizes with the pain of humanity. And we've got to do that too. And then point three, Jesus participates. He participates with Mary and the Jews who were with her weeping. Now, certainly Jesus felt the loss himself. Lazarus was his friend. But I think one other important point here is that Jesus knows what's about to happen. He's going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. But he sees and empathizes with what's happening with these people. They've suffered a great loss. And so Jesus, in his empathy, is willing to participate with them in this loss. He's moved into action, which is called compassion. Compassion is a way that we describe God himself. And we see this as a pattern in Jesus' life over and over and over again. He was the Son of Man of compassion. He was a Messiah of compassion. It says that he wept. He expresses and connects with the pain of humanity. He wasn't willing to just disregard it and let people figure it out for themselves. He goes there. And we've got to go there too. And I think one of the interesting things is that we see this as a pattern throughout Jesus' life. We see Jesus model this, and we see Jesus share this in his parables. Matthew 9, verse 36, he sees the crowd. It says that he saw the crowd and felt compassion on the crowd. And this is where he says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray for workers to be sent out into the harvest. Matthew 14, verse 14, he saw the crowds. He saw the crowds. He saw that they were sick, that they needed healing, that they were hurting. And that's what he did. He responded in compassion. Mark 6, verse 34. He saw the crowd that they needed, or that they were in need. And so he taught and fed the 5,000. He responded in compassion. Luke 7, verse 13. He saw the widow whose only son had died. He saw her. And what does he do? He goes and responds compassionately and heals her son. 
and heals her alongside of that. Luke 10, verse 33. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan. He puts himself in this parable. What does is, what is the Samaritan do? He saw the person in need. And it says he's moved with compassion. And he responds and helps and gives to this man. Finally, in Luke 15, verse 20, this is the parable of the prodigal son. <clears throat> this, the, prodigal, the prodigal son had left the father, but the father sits and waits for the son to return. It says while the son was a long way off, he saw him and was moved with compassion, and he goes to be with him. You see, this is the pattern of Jesus' life. That he wept, that he washed, that he sees humanity in their distress, that he empathizes and that he participates with them in their suffering. He does so with us as well, and we've got to be that for one another also. I've had many great examples in my life of people that have wept with me, that have empathized, that have seen me, that have empathized with me, that have participated with me in my losses, in my challenges. And if I had to put one person, which I don't have to, but I'm going to for the sake of this sermon, if I had to put one person above the rest, it would be my wife, Katie, seen me through really challenging times and losses. She is an inspiration to me in terms of showing me compassion, empathizing me, seeing me in my distress and participating with me in the pain, in the losses of life. And so I'm going to invite her up to share uh, just a couple of thoughts about how does she, how does she do that? How does she, how does she do that? morning everybody <clears throat> I when Ryan asked me to share about this I thought wow really like I don't think that I'm that good at this um, but I think when when I look at this story about Jesus and Mary and Martha um, the death of their with the death of Lazarus and I think about Ryan and some of the things that he's gone through what stands out to me is um, the relationship that existed before the tragedy right or before the hardship and i think it's hard to empathize and to be compassionate with people who we don't feel connected with but when we invest ourselves not just with our time but emotionally um then it's a nat it's a natural thing you know when we are connected with jesus and we're connected with people i think it's with Ryan, obviously, we are so connected, right? Like, we live in the same house, we talk a lot, I know exactly what's going on, and so the relationship there is so deep. And so, of course, when he feels, some, you know, when he's feeling sad or uh, feeling overwhelmed with things, I do feel it because our lives are so intertwined. And honestly, I feel that the times where I've felt like I've been able to really empathize and be compassionate, those are with people who are vulnerable and open with me. And I think about Ryan, and he's like, I, I think you just said I was an inspiration in this way. I feel like you are an inspiration because he's so open about this is how I'm doing. Not just when it's hard, 
but when it's when things are good or when things he's a great communicator and he's very in touch with how he's doing that's not my strength all the time but i feel like the people who are vulnerable with me you know vulnerability breeds vulnerability and so when we have those relationships in the body then it is much more natural and it's easy to be empathetic and compassionate so that's what comes to mind when you were asking me to share so i hope that makes sense i didn't get much sleep last night so anyway go do say that about me. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> she, she didn't get much sleep last night because she was watching the game and then had an early flight. So, um, but I, yeah, I just, I appreciate her life and I appreciate her uh, sharing that. And I think she brings up a lot of really good points. I think especially in terms of how we think about our own relationships in the church. I mean, to be compassionate with each other, to watch, to see, to empathize, to participate, we've got to be connected. And it's been easy to be disconnected during this time for a multitude of reasons, but that limits our ability to be the church. And it limits our ability to be able to be compassionate with each other. If you're going to be vulnerable and compassionate, you've got to be close. And the reality is that we can, even in the midst of struggle and challenge. It takes effort. It's, it, it takes intention. And I get it. I've not always been great at that. But we can do it. We need to do it so we can be the light for the world. And so my encouragement to all of us is to model our lives after Jesus in his example that we just read. We've got to see each other. We've got to be able to watch each other's lives and be connected that way. Who can we see this week? Who can we watch and be close to this week? Make the effort daily to connect, to see, to just check in. It takes a couple seconds to just text somebody. And I think sometimes we're reluctant to do that because it's like, well, where is this going to lead? It's going to lead to connection. It's going to lead to an opportunity to be like Jesus. And we can't pass up those opportunities. And when someone responds that they're in a struggle or challenge, we've got to empathize with them. That's a vulnerable place to be. To be willing to feel what someone else is feeling and experiencing. But that's how we are the church. And that's how Jesus is with us. And that's what he's calling us to. And we've got to make the next step to participate with one another. Maybe it's, maybe we're just weeping with each other. I mean, that's, I think that's a powerful example that Jesus sets for us. He just, he wept with them. That's a powerful connection that we see in this story. Maybe it's responding by meeting a need. Maybe it's just talking over the phone. Sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes it's, it's meeting a need. Uh, making a meal for somebody. Having somebody over into your home. Again, having a conversation with someone. We've got to do that work. We are the hands and feet of Jesus in this life, in this world. Don't miss the opportunities to do so. We've got to be connected. So make those steps this week. Actually, make the step today. 
Connect with somebody after service. Check in. Watch. Empathize. Participate. Take the time to do so and be intentional with your life. Jesus wept. So let's be sure that we have wept too. Amen.